Laura is who I am, of the snake mask, as sensual and cruel as a praying mantis is. I had admirers who gloated enviously. I was the woman they paid just to get a whiff of my scent. No one had the nerve to call me his or even her woman. Only one, just one. But he made a fatal mistake. You don't betray the mantis. <laughs> Poor fools. How stupid they look smiling at a woman, the one they've betrayed, as they sit astride her. <laughs> Poor fools. How their expressions change from men to swine when you emasculate them. Poor fools. entrance of the temple where the light still shines, where distinctions still exist between this and that, and you and me, there are statues, erotic carvings with heavenly bodies and crumbling faces, demons and angels with slick wet skin. Their faces moan in ecstasy. Their bodies bend and curve with the song of pleasure, crying out in lust. They seduce you closer. Their altars overflow with fruit and honey. The scent of roses is intoxicating. Their genitals are swollen. Their mouths are wide open. Your flesh lights up with the heat of desire. The excitement makes you dizzy. You are aroused and hungry, aching for more, more, more. Something deep inside you saying, yes, yes, yes. This is where I belong. For so long, I threw myself at their feet these idols to pleasure, angels of arousal, demons of erotic hunger. 
their life-giving power made me drunk, ecstatic. At their altars, I learned to manipulate the body, my body and the body of a lover, into the phenomena of orgasm. Orgasms erupting from the genitals and heart, from body and soul. I drank from these juices, intoxicated and happy, prostrating before the altar of pleasure. The crumbling statues in ecstasy, the angels and demons of passion and sensation, these were the gods I worshipped. Until one day I noticed these idols I had worshipped, these gods of divine Eros, were actually gargoyles hunched at the temple gates. The temple was much deeper. I had never gone inside. So distracted and seduced, so intoxicated by pleasure, I had mistaken the guardians for the gods. One day, as I walked up to the temple, I greeted these statues their slick, wet bodies, their open mouths, their seduction seemed suddenly odd. The thrill of lust and happy pleasure, the promise of hunger satisfied, did not evoke desire in me. So I stopped at the entrance and offered them flowers. I thanked them for their gifts. I bowed to their powers. And then I simply walked by. I walked past them and into the temple I went. In the temple I found nothing. Nothing but space. Space as black as night. Night as black as love's warm embrace. All distinctions dissolved as the one embraced me. I sat in the center of the temple, in a womb of perfect stillness, and waited. I waited and waited for 10,000 years. Time was a language of ecstasy. Each breath a revelation without anticipation. Each breath warm honey as I drowned in my own presence. Each breath descending me deeper into the bottomless ocean of now. I drank the nectar of my own heart, filling with the juice of some radiant beloved whose body is the universe. I waited and waited until at last my hand rose from the stillness. One hand moving through space an eternity of lives being born and dying. Each beat of my heart, an echo into love's vastness. My fingertips caressing this dark and holy naked space as my belly unfolded into joy unknown. This pleasure this pleasure that was never born and never dying. This pleasure that is God recognizing God. This pleasure that thundered from the deep underground, baptized into innocence. The innocence of lucid knowing. One hand moving, one thrust into space, 
one opening into time. My body made of stars, drinking infinity. Completely satisfied in one single drop. And then a voice called to me, called Desire, sang her siren song. With all that I am, I listened. With all that I am, I surrendered to her will. With all that I am, I let her take me. Desire at last claimed me, made me her lover. Desire swallowed me whole. Now I am inside her. Desire called to me, she said, Come here, beloved. And I listened until I realized that voice was my own.
<clears throat> the meditation is about inner, inner strength and uh, strength that comes through motivation and persistent uh, practice and through discernment, clarity. Just uh, blind willpower, but uh, a sense of persistence and uh, clarity and motivation. So when we come to sit, it's that sense of coming with a certain interest in what we're doing, find a way beyond the the cycles of the energies of the mind. Just go round and round, round and round. Never satisfied, never contented. Often cause all kinds of problems and distress. There's motivation to get clear of this. Practice is all one of coming from that wave of mental activity back to awareness, and it will. That's where it comes from. So it comes from a, an awareness that's whipped up, stirred up. It's not separate. You're going very, very far, but just not following the wave, rising the wave. Spins out. Recognize you're aware of your thinking and feelings. Pause. Just that. In that leverage point, knowing you can, you can pause, you can notice it. Not even changing it, you can't rid of it. Just the fact you can notice that. That's your, that's your turning point. thinking it, but almost like a lift from the drama, some widening of the zoom lens, lifting down the drama, turgidity and stupor of the mind. To notice it. And the noticing is a kind of stillness. There's no comment and reaction. That's the leverage, that's the leverage point, that's the turning point. We know we can do this. And at that point you can apply. From that point of, of opening, of stillness, of emergence of the moving in the mind, apply yourself, apply. Which is lifting, which is pausing, applying just a simple thought, body, back, posture, breathing, review, meditation themes. I mean, that's something really simple. Because at first, it's not particularly important what you come back to, but then you can keep that process of coming back to application. Something that grounds, something earth, something is into uh, vitality. Breathing out is very good for that. So then that vitality becomes one of the resources of strength and energy.
set to one of simple sustain out breath. Just gathering energy gathering. One in breath energy gathering that some building up in the doors. Now that looks out into celebration, future plans, self and people.
I am a woman. I am human. I am a spirit in a bottle. Tossed into the ocean, I am the waves. I am the water. I am the sperm. I am the egg. I am someone's daughter. I am the contents of my heart. I am the endless thrash of feeling. I am nothing. I am everything. I am restless. I am grieving. I am a child in my bed. 
Being sung to sleep, I am a fingerprint in time, I am loss, I am memory, I am emotion, I am sensation, I am the evolution of DNA passed on through generations, I am my mother, I am my father, I am the scars on my skin, the marks that last forever, I am aging, I am slowly dying. I am cells shedding skin, I am smiling, I am crying, I am beautiful, I am disgusting. I am shame, I am heaven, I am afraid of living, I am pretending, I am illusion, I am a mask on a face, I am a logical conclusion, I am love, I am free. I am wild, I am tame, I am lost at sea, I am the goddess. I am a whore. I am magic in motion. I am reaching out for more. I am hiding. I am being seen. I am a wretch wrapped in rags. I am a mess. I am a queen. I am lust. I am the hungry ghost. I am lying to myself. I am the best, the worst, the most. I am blood. I am dirt. I am stardust and infection and the hunger and the thirst. I am sound. I am the beginning. I am the orgasm. I am the universe singing. I am mind. I am a dream. I am the product of a culture. I am the silent scream. I am confusion. I am insane. I am the hope for certainty. I am heartbreak. I am faith. I am groundless. I am coming clean. I am searching for an answer. I am swimming upstream. I am the wanderer. I am the road. I am the deepest desire. I am the one who knows. I am the one. I am the causeless joy. I am the luminous darkness. I am the treasure and the ploy. I am hunting. I am the kill. I am the silence of the night. I am the endless chasing thrill. I am pure wisdom. I am the lover. I am lost. I am found. I am trying to discover who I am. 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 A man passes by those benches. I see this man. I apprehend him as an object, and at the same time as a man. What does this signify? What do I mean when I assert that this object is a man? One by one, the fruit trees. A trap for the gaze. In any picture, it is precisely in seeking the gaze in each of its points that you will see it disappear. objects came following a definite path to place itself on me. I have observed that I cannot be an object for an object. A radical conversion of the other is necessary if he is to escape objectivity. Therefore, I cannot consider the look which the other directs on me as one of the possible manifestations of his objective being. The other cannot look at me as he looks at the grass. Furthermore, my objectivity cannot itself derive for me from the objectivity of the world, since I am precisely the one by whom there is a world. That is, the one who on principle cannot be an object for himself. The subject who sees me may be substituted for the object seen by me. Being seen by the other is the truth of seeing the other. Historians arrange sequences called stories or histories, assuming in silence a relation of cause and effect. 
These assumptions, hidden in the depths of dusty libraries, have been astounding, but commonly unconscious and childlike. So much so, that if any captious critic were to drag them into light, historians would probably reply, with one voice, that they had never supposed themselves required to know what they were talking about. Adams, for one, toiled in vain to find out values of consonants. He cared little about his experiments, and less about statesmen, who seemed to him quite as ignorant as himself, and, as a rule, no more honest. But he insisted on a relation of sequence, and if he could not reach it by one method, he would try as many methods as science knew. Because the mind's eye led the sun. the sequence of men led to nothing, and that the sequence of their society could lead no further, while the mere sequence of time was artificial, and the sequence of thought was chaos, he turned at last to the sequence of force. And thus it happened Poems that, are after not ten years' pursuit, he found himself lying in Poems a gallery at the Great Exposition Poems are not the point. His historical neck broken Poems by the sudden of forces totally new. See something different, throw myself into something practical, something physical, one after another. country, say, or at sea. One day I was on a small boat with a few people from a family of fishermen in a small port. At that time, Brittany was not industrialized as it is now. There were no trawlers. The fisherman went out in his small, frail craft at his own risk. It was this risk, this danger, that I loved. One after say. another. But it wasn't all danger and excitement, there were also fine days. One day, then, as we were waiting for the moment to pull in the nets, an individual known as Petit Jean, that, that's what we called him, like all his family, he died very young from tuberculosis, which at that time was a constant threat to the whole of that social class. This Petit Jean pointed out to me something floating on the surface of the waves. It was a small cannon, a sardine cannon. It floated there in the sun, a witness to the canning industry, which we, in fact, were supposed to supply. It glittered in the sun, and Petit Jean said to me, You see that can? Do you see it? Well, it doesn't see you. He found this incident highly amusing. I less so. I thought about it. Why did I find it less amusing than he? It's an interesting question. To begin with, if what Petit Jean said to me, namely that the can did not see me, had any meaning, it was because, in a sense, it was looking at me all the same. It was looking at me at the level of the point of light, the point at which everything that looks at me is situated. And I am not speaking metaphorically. The point of this little story... On this day of 1,000 flowers... The fact that he found it so funny and I less so... On this day of 1,000 flowers... If I told a story like that one, it is because I, at that moment... On this day of 1,000 flowers... livings with great difficulty... On this day of 1,000 flowers... ...looked like nothing on earth. In short, I was rather out of place in the picture. And it was because I felt this that I was not terribly amused at hearing myself addressed in this human Relations appear. way. Adams had gone straight to the Virgin at Chartres and asked her to show him God face to face as she did for St. Bernard. She replied, kindly as ever, as though she were still the young I thought I wanted the whole thing. Sort of patient pity for masculine dullness. My dear outcast, what is it you seek? This is the Church of Christ. If you seek him through me, you are welcome, sinner or saint. But he and I are one. We are love. We have little or nothing to do with God's other energies, which are infinite. Am I even searching? Because our interest is only in man, and the infinite is not knowable to man. Yet, if you are troubled by your ignorance, you see how I am surrounded by the masters of the schools. Morgana. The answer sounded singularly like the usual answer of British science, which had repeated since Bacon that one must not try to know the unknowable, though one was quite powerless to ignore it. But the Virgin carried more conviction, for her feminine lack of interest in all perfections except her own was honester than the formal phrase of science. Since nothing was easier than to follow her advice, 
Pym turned to St. Thomas Aquinas, who, unlike modern physicists, answered at once and plainly. To me, said St. Thomas, Christ and the Mother are one force, love, simple, single, and sufficient for all human wants. But love is a human interest which acts even on man so partially that you and I, as philosophers, need expect no share in it. Therefore we turn to Christ and the schools who represent all other force. We deal with multiplicity and call it God. After the Virgin has redeemed by her personal force as love, all that is redeemable in man, the schools embrace the rest. flowers that I could gallant it like you, and be as little vain. You come abroad, and make a harmless show, and to your beds of earth again. You are not proud, you know your birth, for your embroidered garments are from earth. You do obey your months and times, but I would have it ever spring, my fate would know no winter, never die, nor think of such a thing. Oh that I could my bed of earth but view and smile, and look as cheerfully as you. Oh teach me to see death and not to fear, but rather to take truce. How often have I seen you at a beer, and there look fresh and spruce. You fragrant flowers. Then teach me, that my breath like yours may sweeten and perfume my death. 